ladies. It's really great to be able to connect with you. I know that snow days are, are fun and for, it's for some people. Um, hopefully your kids are not driving you crazy, but if they are, hopefully you can look out your window and just appreciate how peaceful the snow can make things. And you know, I need to do that more and just appreciate the nature of God and the power of God. And maybe he just wants us to be still and have our souls quieted today and um, really remember that we need to be still and know that the Lord is God. I'm looking forward to our lesson on Transformed by God. You know, the series on Exodus is an exciting series. I'm, I'm really looking forward to walking through the pages of Exodus with you and learning so many lessons together. So I hope that you're really looking forward to it just as much as I am. But to be transformed is not an easy thing. When I look back at my life, anything that I needed to change, generally speaking, was not an easy change for me. But God's still working on all of us, even if we've been a Christian five years, 10 years, 20 years, he, he's going to continue working on us and transforming us. And that makes it so exciting that our Christianity can be alive every single day. In 2 Corinthians 3.17, it says, The Lord is the Spirit. Wherever the Spirit of the Lord is, there is freedom. All of us reflect the Lord's glory with unveiled faces. We are being transformed from one degree of glory into another. This comes from the Lord. When you think about, again, being transformed, it gets exciting to think that you can just continue growing and changing into the image of Christ. And, you know, that's our goal in every area is to be like Jesus. And there's so many areas I know I fall short in. There's so many areas I struggle to be like him in. I need encouragement to be able to be transformed. But in Exodus 2, verse 15, we'll start in verse 11. In the course of time, Moses grew up. Then he went to see his own people and watched them suffering under forced labor. He saw a Hebrew, one of his own people, being beaten by an Egyptian. He looked all around, and when he didn't see anyone, he beat the Egyptian to death and hid the body in the sand. When Moses went there the next day, he saw two Hebrew men fighting. He asked the one who started the fight, Why are you beating another Hebrew? The man asked, Who made you our ruler and judge? Are you going to kill me as you killed the Egyptian? Then Moses was afraid and thought that everyone knew what he had done. When Pharaoh heard what Moses had done, he tried to have him killed. But Moses fled from Pharaoh and settled in the land of Midian. So Tom did a great job really describing this journey for Moses. And, you know, he, he was a man who really didn't stay and face the situation. He took the easy way out, and he basically kind of took things into his own hands. We see that. Um, but he didn't just kill the guy. He covered it up. Tried to. Buried him. Um, but people saw what he, he had done. And, um, he, you know, he could have thought of another way to deal with the situation, but this was his way of dealing with it. It was quicker. It was easy. Um, and, you know, he could have tried to talk to the guy who was being abusive. He could have, you know, maybe used his own authority and relationship with Pharaoh to um, work out that situation. But when we take things into our own hands, 
We run ahead of God, don't we? And we, we easily mess things up. I mean, sometimes before I even know it, I've messed a situation up just by what I've said. You know, it's just, it wasn't helpful. It wasn't beneficial. It wasn't said with thought or with prayer, or with the right heart. I can mess things up very quickly at home um, or with my children. And so there are lots of ways we can run from God. But, but why do we run from God? Why do we run from facing the truth? I think, number one, we can be embarrassed about what we've done. You know, I mean, he had a guilty conscience, obviously. He looked around to even see who was looking. Have you ever done that? Like, who's watching and who's seeing me? <laughs> um, sometimes we hope no one's watching, right? But we can be embarrassed about the decisions we've made or how we're, we're behaving or how we're acting, um, uh, you know, how unspiritual we're, we're really um, living. And it's different from feeling convicted, isn't it? We can feel bad about something, but not really be convicted. I think secondly, we can deny the truth about what is in our hearts. Jeremiah 17.9 says the heart is deceitful above all else and desperately corrupt. Who can understand it? You know, I think sometimes I don't even completely understand my own heart. Do you ever feel that way? Like, why am I doing what I'm doing? Or why am I reacting this way? And I know there's something in there, but I don't always completely understand what's going on. Do you think Moses thought he was capable of murder? Just like that? Just walking along and he just decides to murder this guy. Maybe it never even occurred to him that he would take a man's life so quickly. What does that tell you about our hearts? We don't really know them the way we think we do sometimes. We tend to take matters into our own hands and deal with it our way. And we think sometimes we can get away with not dealing with our hearts. Thirdly, you know, I, I think sometimes I like to get away with stuff. I don't want to have to deal with everything going on in my heart. Um, but we run from God to our plan. And we can even convince ourselves, well, this is the only solution. This is the only way. Maybe Moses thought this is the only way to deal with this. I'm going to kill him. That's it. Um, but maybe we think, well, I have to run away. You know, it'd be too painful to stay and, and deal with what's going on in my life. There's just no other way out. You know, when we're exposed, it's natural to want to run or we squirm or we want to deny. We, we don't really want to embrace the truth. You ever thought you were above something? I would never do that. I, I, I would never think of that. You know, but, but then we, we look at our lives, those of us who've lived a little bit longer, and we realize, wow, that's just a trap of Satan's to make us think we, we could never behave a certain way or we could never do something. Um, but I, I think in the right situation, many of us are going to be tempted with things we never thought we would be tempted with. I know I have since I've been married. I've been tempted with, with so many heart sins that I never even thought I had. I thought I was so humble until I got married, and then God had to really expose the heart and help me see just how prideful I really was. But have you ever said to yourself, I don't think I was that prideful. I mean, I, I don't think I sounded that negative. I think she's, she's really overstating that. Um, I don't think I'm that materialistic. I mean, I know other people who are way more in debt than I am. You know, uh, when somebody points something out, what's your first response? 
What is it? Oh, no, no, I, I don't think that's really who I am. Um, or are we really quick to own our sin and just, just listen to people and what they're sharing with us? You know, I think of some examples in the Bible that are really powerful. One is Paul. And I think about his life and how deceived he was in the beginning. I, to the point he really convinced himself he was doing God's will to go and even get, get an, a letter to go and arrest Christians and throw them in jail. Now, I believe he wanted to literally rid the earth of these people. That was his mission. And so, how deceived was he, even though he was a very religious man? I mean, that's to the nth degree. He was going above and beyond to do whatever he could to capture Christians and throw them in jail. But he ended up doing the very opposite of God's plan. But it probably never occurred to him, not even once, that he was opposing God until he met Jesus on the road to Damascus. And then we see somebody, again, just completely transformed, but he had to go from being deceived to facing the truth and embracing it. And then we've got Elijah, you know, even after seeing the power of God at Carmel, <laughs> you're going, wow, what an amazing story. And many of us have seen the true power of God. And then the very next day, because Jezebel, a woman, is threatening his life. I mean, he slaughtered all the prophets of Baal. And, you know, he, he was really doing God's will. He was a righteous man. Um, but... He runs, he flees, and he sits down under a broom tree. And he's so discouraged, he just falls asleep. And then God sends an angel who touches him to give him strength and provides food and says, eat. And then he, you know, eats, you know, get your strength. And then he falls back asleep. And, you know, this angel is continually encouraging him. He, he, he didn't have it in and of himself. God had to keep transforming him and, and helping him to be transformed, to face the situation. And, you know, a lot of us, we're gonna get discouraged as we are being transformed. A lot of it's gonna feel very uncomfortable. It's gonna feel like we're, we're, we wanna crawl out of our skin sometimes as we're being transformed. That's okay. When you look at people like Elijah, you look at Paul, you look at Moses. Well, I don't wanna speak to these people. You know, they don't know who I am, and who am I even gonna tell them you are, and what's your name? And, you can just see so much insecurity in Moses. But then God works on him for quite a long time to get him to the place to lead his people out of Egypt. But here's a question. Do you trust yourself too much to define where your heart is? Or do you trust the spiritual influences that God puts in your life? You know, I think the last thing here is that we resist change sometimes. So fourthly, I, I think we're resistant to changing at times. That's why we're not transformed. That's why we run from God. Have you ever known you weren't living right and you didn't have the right attitude, but you fought the changes you needed to make? Um, I fought them on the spot when Tom would be correcting me. And even to this day, sometimes when he just starts correcting me, comes in, he's gonna correct me. You know, I mean, immediately, sometimes my thought process, maybe it's not coming out of my lips, but my thought process is, well, you're not even saying that like a Christian man. You're not even saying that like a loving husband. You're not even expressing that. That's not, you're, you're just so overboard. 
you know, I can almost immediately feel myself make the defenses that I can often make. Do you feel that way in your marriage? Feel that way with, with Christians that are trying to help you? How do we run away from the truth today? I think sometimes I've stayed in passages like Psalms, you know, um, many of the Psalms, they're, they're where I go really and truly to get lifted up because they, they do that. That's just what the Psalms do. And a lot of us, we love the Psalms, but we avoid the scriptures that pierce our hearts. And I know every time I've read the book of James, I've gone away going, oh, okay, I've got, I've got a lot to work on. But have you ever just wanted to stay in the scriptures that they'll soothe your wounds? They encourage you, but we need all of them, don't we? We need the scriptures that really, you know, pierce us between the heart or between our eyes and uh, point things out. But we stop applying these scriptures that can really challenge us, that move our hearts, because we don't want to deal. I think secondly, we can deflect onto others. Well, they don't understand me. They don't know me that well. You know, they don't really love me. They wouldn't be correcting me like that. And, you know, um, I think they overdid it, and they just don't believe in me. That's why I don't trust them. But maybe God put someone in your life you don't know as well because they were there at a certain time where they saw something that somebody else wouldn't see. We need to be open to everyone. You know, I need to have an open heart. I want to have that kind of heart. If people see anything in me, I want people to come and share that with me and help me. I don't want to deflect, well, they don't really know me. They don't know my heart as well. I don't want to use excuses. But it's hard to do that, isn't it? To just be humble right away. I think thirdly, we can look for people to agree with us and just encourage us. All of us can find a sounding board if we're looking for it. We need more than that, though. We need discipling, and we need someone to care enough to help us when we're trapped in sin, like Galatians 6 talks about. You who are spiritual, if anyone's trapped in sin, should go and restore him. Yet do it with gentleness. Yes, we need to be gentle with one another. We need to give each other the benefit of the doubt, but we don't need to you know, refrain from, from speaking truthfully to one another. We've got to do that in order to help each other be transformed. I think fourthly, we can convince ourselves that someone else's sin is worse than ours. So we don't really need to repent. We don't need to really take ours that seriously. We don't need to really deal with our heart. He's the reason we messed up. We can do that so easily in our marriages. It's pretty scary. You know, well, if he was more loving, I wouldn't respond that way. Um, no, we have the word. We have the truth. We have God. And we can fight for our own personal righteousness. And I had to do that for a number of years when Tom was not at his best. I had to really fight to not use that as an excuse. And I know there are women out there. Some of you are married to non-Christians. You have to fight to not give in to hysterical fears, to not give in to wanting to just react to him and to accept that, that he doesn't have the Holy Spirit. And you are maybe his best example of seeing Jesus Christ. But it's going to be easy to use excuses when you're in that situation. And, you know, I just think of, of a time when I was in the bathroom and I was getting ready. I was already so excited to go to my Bible study before church. And so I go in and say goodbye to Tom. And um, he's like, oh, yeah, could you just put some lotion on my back? I'm like, sure. Yeah, no problem. So he takes the lotion bottle with the, the top of it and he 
he's going to put it in my hand. He smashes it so hard, it literally splatters all over me. Now, I'm ready to walk out the door, and I'm like, what did you do? And he's like, oh, it's no big deal. Just wipe it off. And I'm sitting there going, what do you mean, no big deal? And I said, Tom, I can't just wipe it off. He goes, yeah, you can. Not that much on there, is there? Well, it was splattered all over the front. It was actually white. And so I'm like, great, you know, I'm gonna have to go change. He's like, um, well, you don't have to make a big deal out of it. And I'm like, well, um, this is not helping. He's like, wow, you know, you're just so sensitive. And see, everything in me wanted to just completely react. So I just got silent and um, he's like, what's your problem? And I'm like, well, I'm, I'm gonna leave. And so I, I tried really hard to bite my tongue, get out of the house, and then all the way there, you know, I'm, I'm battling with, wow, what an insensitive, you know, I won't say the word, but jerk, you know. Um, what an insensitive guy. What, what, what is, what, why wouldn't he even just apologize? And, you know, I would have been fine if he had just apologized, but I was really trying hard to swallow all this pride and criticalness, such an attitude. So all the way there, I'm fighting it. And then I start talking to God. You know, it's interesting when you start talking to God, how God can change your heart. So I start telling him, okay, I know this isn't right. I know I'm going to go in there and have to study with someone. I know I'm, I really need to repent. I need to call him. Okay, God, I'm going to do it. So I called him and left him this really nice message. Hey, it was not a big deal. I'm sorry I left. It was such an attitude. And, uh, it, you know, it was so simple. It was such a simple thing to do. But it was not an easy thing for me to do, to humble my heart. And so, you know, it was great. He called back, said, hey, I'm so sorry. I, you know, I forgive you. I go, great. I don't even worry about his attitude at that point. But wouldn't it have been a terrible thing to go into a study and have that inside of me, um, you know, just turning around? I, I just think sometimes we don't deal with the simplest situations. Therefore, we don't have an easy time for God to transform us and change us in, in bigger situations. And so I just know I have to deal with my sin every day. I don't know about you, but pretty much every day. I have to make sure I'm not running from God or running from dealing with myself. You know, there's a movie called Total Recall. I don't know if a lot of you have seen that. It's a very old movie, but it's an Arnold Schwarzenegger movie. And it's a really fun movie. They've got some, some cool um, parts to it. But you could take a trip to Mars in this um, virtual reality thing um, where you go in and you sit in this chair and they put, you know, this... Um, needle in you and shoot you up and you're basically on your trip but you can choose whatever type of girl you want to go with and so it's kind of this uh, fantasy world but before he ends up doing that um, he is married to this woman that basically isn't really his wife because he's involved in this plot and uh, I'm not going to go into all the details but uh, he, he doesn't find out until later when they try to kill him that there's something going on and that his wife isn't his wife and there's this plot to kill him and um, hide the fact that there's this air out there in Mars. Um, but because um, he goes on this, this trip and find, starts finding this out, he goes to a place where he's trying to escape from the bad people here. And so he goes to this place where they 
transform his face into a woman's. And so he puts a dress on and he's got to get through security to get out of there, to escape. Well, as he goes through security, he makes it through, and then his face starts contorting and making all these noises, and it's kind of wild. I wanted to just see the, the little clip of it. I was going to show it, but um, his whole face comes apart, and so the bad guys are there, and they're watching everyone going through, and so they, they realize it's him, and he has to take off and run from them for his life. But it, it's a great example to me of how we can try to get through spiritual security. And we try to walk through and pretend, you know, put on our, our happy face when we're really miserable at home, or and put on our, our humble face, or, you know, um, our committed face, or whatever it is. But we put that on and we try to walk through spiritual security. But the problem is, that world isn't real. That person isn't real. So at some point, you have to come back and face reality, right? We can't only hold up appearances so long. We can only live in a world of virtual reality so long because it's just not real. And our real self is going to poke its head out sooner or later, right? So all of a sudden, the fake exterior just unravels and comes apart. But the truth always comes out at some point. I've seen this in my life where I've tried to hide sin. Oh my gosh, and you know, I just know the truth will find us out at some point. We can run from God run from ourselves, but sooner or later, we got We can't really run that far, right, from God. He's going to find us um, and help us deal with it. But here's one, one situation that I've run across. Maybe some of you have run across this, you know. I have some people asking me, you know, don't tell anyone when they're confessing something. Please don't tell anyone. Now, I automatically say, you know, I, I don't know if I can promise that. Will you help me understand why? And who is it you don't want me to tell and why? Um, because I can't promise that if I think they're going to really mess up their lives or make a decision that could affect their eternal destiny. And I think maybe I'm not able to help them. And I may need to get an elder's wife or an elder or somebody else involved. I just can't make those promises. And that scares me when people are talking that way. Whenever someone says that, we need to find out what's really going on in that person's heart. Because I think there's a lot going on. It doesn't mean I'm going to go talk freely to just anyone, but I'm not going to agree to cover up sin. That's never the answer to transformation, is covering anything up. So, you know, what's great about God is He's working to transform us, especially when we're at a low point. And when you look at Moses, when you look at his life, he was at a, a couple of low points, wasn't he? Where he didn't want to deal with his life, so he ran away. But God, God uses all of this to help him become who he really needs to become. And when I truly desire to be transformed, it forces me to do two things, to look at myself more clearly and honestly, and secondly, to look at things the way that God does. Because I have to eventually get there somehow, right? Um, but I want to talk about the, the real thing that we've got to get to here in this lesson is, what are the key ingredients for transformation? I want to talk about those for a few moments. Because some of us have been in a spiritual rut for a while. Some of us are in it right now. And I want to help you get out of that. I really want to help you believe that you can be transformed through these key ingredients. Number one is loving the truth. I think looking for God's truth takes initiative and effort. When you look at Proverbs 2 and 3 and how it talks about search for it as for silver, 
You know, it, we, we, we've got to look for it. We've, we've got to pray to see it. Um, we can't sit back and hide and say we love the truth. Do you pray the prayer in Psalm 139, 23 through 24? Search me and try me and see if there's any offensive way in me. And lead me in the way everlasting. Do we want to see ourselves the way that God does? Do we love seeing our sin or do we resent it? You know, we've got to practice being truthful with our, ourselves in order to be real and, and to deal. And I, I think sometimes I used to try to look the part rather than be humble. I, I would try to look humble and put a humble, you know, <laughs> Uh, face on rather than really be humble and I think it's very easy to do that as a Christian We've been around a long time. We know even the right things to say But are we really living that way? I think number two we've got to surrender our will and our plan um, Usually God's plan is not what I anticipate many times so he's usually testing my trust in him and letting him have the controls you know, it's like someone driving the car and I'm in, in the passenger seat and I keep grabbing the steering wheel from them and I keep jerking that steering wheel um, because I want to go a different way. It's, it's a good way to have a wreck. Um, and we can make a wreck out of situations when we try to take control. But I think of a really good example of this is um, Amber Heigrich. She was someone that I think she was very double-minded as a Christian for many years. She was in and out of the kingdom a couple times. Um, she was married and divorced and um, had a, a real rough time with that in her faith and just being pure hearted and uh, I know Amber's shared her story before but we're very very good friends and when she called me and talked to me about needing a new start you know I, I immediately wanted her to come here I felt like this would be a great place for her to really start over but what was what was really incredible is to see how God transformed just her whole mindset about who she wanted to date when she had blown it so much in her past in dating and relationships with men not being pure um, and then having to go through a really heartbreaking divorce she didn't want to blow it again she didn't want to trust in herself and her wisdom she really wanted to trust in the wisdom of God and and I, I, I thought you know it's really amazing when I heard her say yeah I'm gonna date people that are drastically different like the opposite of the people I would have dated before and then God, of course, introduced her to Nick, and you know, the rest is, is history. But to see them fall in love and date and have a pure, a completely pure, probably some of their boundaries were even stronger and higher than I, I think you know some uh, decent-hearted people in Edge today that are dating. I, I just think they wanted to go the extra mile, even in their dating. They did things probably they didn't even have to, just to protect their purity. So that's how far she was willing to go to be different, to be transformed. And then I think God gave her an incredible man of God. But this has been an ongoing lesson for, of transformation for me, surrendering my will. I just don't like the unexpected. You know, when I prayed for my daughter and her husband and um, the struggles they were having, and I know she wouldn't mind me sharing this. You know, he knows we know everything, but um, it, it, every time I would pray, it would get worse. It didn't get better. <laughs> I was expecting it to get better because I was praying and I was asking for God's help. But it actually would get worse every time I prayed. So I just thought, well, fine, I, I don't even need to pray anymore. I mean, I, I wasn't surrendered. I was 
I was so devastated. I was so hurt. I was so disillusioned through that time period. And this was a couple of years. And I just thought, well, then, you know, why pray? He already knows everything and doesn't seem like he wants to say yes. So I just didn't want to pray for a while and um, didn't feel like there, there was any point to that. You know, this Christmas was one of the biggest blessings to have them all here. Al, Ashley, all the kids were together here in our home. And it was our Christmas miracle after five years of struggling and thinking this is just never going to end well. Um, they were separated for a while. They're back together. They're working on things. No, things are not perfect. But, you know, God does things that man cannot do. And so much of it is when I finally surrendered and thought, you know, I'm okay because maybe God's got another plan. And God started softening Ashley's heart and God started softening Nell's heart. But I had to completely put it in the hands of God. And that was a very difficult thing for me to do. Um, but I have to do it in an ongoing way. It's just not one day. It's not two days. It's not one year. It's every year. Thirdly, it takes transparency to be transformed. It takes openness to the point it feels uncomfortable. Do you have people in your life that know all of you? Not just part of you. Are there people that you could call whenever you need them? They're going to you know, call you back immediately when they know you're struggling. You know, I think about Lynn and Lois and Debbie and Gail and um, Sylvia and just so many people on a regular basis that I get with and that we talk about life. We, we talk about our situations. When I'm frustrated and I'm down, somebody is going to know. I'm not just going to hold that inside. It's not even healthy to do that. Um, it, it, it's actually a very healthy thing to open up about our lives and to be real and honest. But it takes transparency. Fourthly, it takes patience. You know, waiting on God is difficult. I mean, gosh, I feel like I was waiting years and years, and things were just getting worse and worse. I thought Ashley was going to be out on the street at one point, you know, with her two kids. And uh, we didn't have the money to go and, and support her. But waiting on God is part of the process. And time's not a problem for him, you know. He carried out his prom promise to the Israelites 40 years after Moses ran away to the desert. So it took that long to transform Moses to be able to go and confront Pharaoh. Is it hard for you to wait? It is hard, right? Come on. It, it's hard. It's one of the hardest things we probably do. But when you think about many of us during the holidays, what do we do? We get our special recipes out. We get all the ingredients, and we're ready to bake our special cake. And I have one of those. It's an apple nut cake. It's my favorite, favorite cake. But you know what? If I only baked it a quarter at the time you're supposed to, it wouldn't turn out. If I only baked it half the time or three quarters of a time you're supposed to, it, it wouldn't turn out special. If I didn't have all the right ingredients, I just left one ingredient out, how would that affect it? It wouldn't be the same. Just one ingredient missing is all it takes to mess it up. So are you willing to stay in the oven and get fully baked? You know, are you willing to get fully transformed? I mean, there's certain areas I don't want, I don't want someone poking around in there. It hurts. It, 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 I know I'm going to have to deal with things when people start poking around. Do you know what I mean? Are you willing to put all the ingredients in your life? 
can be transformed? That's the question today. The fifth ingredient is asking for help. You know, when I ask people, what do you see in me that needs to change? Or how do you feel like I did? You know, after every lesson, I ask people, I ask Lynn, I ask Lois, Lois, is there any input you have for me? Um, they don't hold back. They don't go, oh yeah, yeah, it was good. They, well, that was good, but you know what? This could have been explained better, or this could have been a powerful point. You didn't really you know, focus as much as I thought you would on that point. Um, Lynn and I both are very honest with each other. And I'm so grateful for that because I want to keep growing, don't you? But that's what it takes. You know, I never want to outgrow my need for help. I know every time I'm with Sylvia, every, almost every time I can expect her to go, so Kelly, I've been thinking about these areas in my life. Do you have any input on this specific area? I want your feedback. And she takes it and she, she'll apply it to her marriage. Um, you know, usually has something to do with her, her strong character and her strong personality. But she's so open, and I love that about her, and that's why I think she's grown so much. But I think sometimes we don't ask enough questions. You know, am I off in my thinking? Before we go and talk to someone, that's a good question. You know, I'm thinking of talking to someone about this. Am I off on that? Um, or, or you think I'm on target? Or how did I come across in that discussion group? Can you, you help me see myself better? Um, what scriptures help you deal with discouragement? Or what do you do when your husband comes home? He's in a foul mood and he's just complaining and griping and stomping around the house and he's setting a bad example to the kids. What do you do? What do you do when you feel like screaming at the top of your lungs for your kids to shut their mouths and stop picking at each other? You know, what do you do when you don't feel close to God? You feel distant. What do you, what do, you do to get your, your, your spiritual juices going again? Um, there's just so many things we can ask for help in. Are we asking for help consistently about our kids and how we're raising them? You know, characteristics that we see in them that we know are from us that aren't good. Sixth um, key ingredient is transforming conversations. You know, this is one of my, my um, things that, that I really want to talk about for a moment because uh, I want to ask you how many of you have been doing bad, bad before? And after one conversation with someone, you leave a different person. You actually, <laughs> your heart has changed. Your attitude has changed. I mean, you have a whole different perspective on the situation. Think about that. You know, how grateful are we for people who push past our barriers in pride and they love us anyway? When's the last time someone really challenged you? And you really said, you know what? I've been telling you this. You haven't really applied this in the way I thought you would to your marriage. You know, or you haven't been putting it into practice. Why? We talked about this. What's holding you back? You know, let's talk about it again. But when is the last time someone really penetrated your heart? They exposed something and it didn't feel good. You know, we can walk away with more clarity and a goal to be transformed when we have salty friendships. Do you have salty friendships that add that spark that's really needed to refine us? Look at Proverbs 27, verse 6. It says, Faithful are the wounds from a friend. Profuse are the kisses of an enemy. We've got to be aware of just hanging around people that just encourage us or flatter us. Proverbs 18, 28, 23. He who rebukes a man will in the end gain favor rather than he who has a flattering tongue. Now, I love encouragement. I believe in encouragement. 
but I mean transforming conversations. When's the last time you just sat down and go, we have got to talk about this. And I want you to hold me accountable. I want you to call me and ask me how I'm doing. You know, and I'm going to email you every day. You know, how my, my times are with God. Or I'm going to email you every day if I say, um, you know, uh, I lose my temper with my husband or my children. You know, it says in Proverbs 20:30, blows that wound cleanse away evil. Beatings purge the inmost heart. Do you want God to purify your heart today? Then you need transforming conversations that cleanse away evil, that really and truly humble our hearts before God. Seventh, we need to pray to have the courage to make decisions. Nothing can change until we make a decision. We've got to pray for God to change our heart towards what we need to change. You know? Um, there are times we don't want to have to keep fighting this hard to change. That's when we need to pray the most. A lot of times we get so used to sin, we accept it rather than change. And, you know, I think about one of the, the sins in my life of self-pity. It's like we became best friends. You ever had a friend that was a sin? <laughs> we hung out a lot. We complained a lot together because self-pity really understood me. You know, we were comfortable together. We were used to each other's company. Have you ever seen that in your life? You know, maybe it's anxiety. Um, whatever it is, you know, have you become best friends? Or have you decided it's, it's, it's worth praying about? Um, because it, it, praying helps you rely on God's spirit. And it says the Lord is the spirit. And then you know, it goes on and talks about us being transformed. But what if you could be a different person in six months or a year? What would you be willing to do to be transformed? In Hebrews 11, you know what it reminds us of? Is that their weakness was turned into strength. You know, I don't care how weak you are. As long as you're making an effort to change, you're going to see God's power that transforms. And when you think about Moses, he may have started out in a great situation. It was a privileged situation. But he had to go through many trials and detours to be transformed and ready to lead God's people. His goal wasn't just the promised land, but was to be with God. And here's the last part I just want to share with you. What, what areas do you want transformed in 2018? What about our marriages? Do they need to be transformed? Some of us feel stuck in our dynamic, and we don't know if we can change. We need to believe that you can be transformed today. Some of it's just our character, our discipline, getting up on time to devote ourselves to prayer, watching our words, the way we communicate at home, or with our roommates, or just being hypocritical, having a critical eye on others, but excusing our sin. You know, what are you allowing God to transform in your character and your heart to be able to experience God's transforming power? What help are you going after to experience that? And how much are you willing to pray about it and do about it? Ask yourselves, what does God want from me in 2018? Hopefully the lesson can help us all make the effort to do what it takes to allow God to change us and mold us into noble vessels for his use. Thank you.